episode of Speaker Sofidlin is made possible by our generous patrons. Special thanks to our supreme and master speakers Omeji Cat Comet, Erisu Yamakawa, Circuit Barakil, Alex Franco AV, Winebow Brood, Psyche, Asuta Starbreeze, Cletus Oreo, Nina Grimstaughter, Nat Clay, Lily Black, Bob Cece, Mikto Rabentau, Sampa Chakwatol, Edwin, Arcadia Lunashine, Umbral Wind, Quick Levin, Pamela Isley, Camille Grino, Elenriel Maximus, Coderith Novelist, Mira Miri, Bay Barbalay, Suno Shikano, Celesta Nutrell, Lazy Boy, A Bag of Dragonite, Luke Osborne, Pandalu Storm Arrow, Tex, Kyle Lynn, AJ Brainswordson, Anathus Moonscar, Arthur Law, Beridan Derard, Cypup, Spencer Christmas, Noy Fafnir, Chesha Saltiri, Celine Deloon, and Webster Wolf. Support the show and become a patron today at patreon.com slash speakersxiv. Thank you. This is Speakers of Good evening, ARCians. Welcome to Speakers of Fightland episode 200 and... No, it's 300! That's the whole point! Welcome to... Hey! Episode 300! 20 <laughs> minutes to prep for that. Yeah. Yes. It's That's episode... a nice... It's episode outlet. 300. We are... Yeah, we've uh, we've made it. Um, this is not going to be... I mean, we've already watched some clips now. That's about all we're going to do with yeah, this. Yeah, that was the celebration. Um, but yeah, yeah, we've made we're it through. We're just so funny, guys. Yeah, we made yeah. it through 300 where'd episodes. You those, where'd you get those images of balloons? I googled um, balloons. They've been in another episode, but for sure. Yeah, it's the, I have literally two pictures of balloons that I use every time we have a, an anniversary. Or <laughs> Why don't you? You need to just uh, cut out. Some of the lovely balloons they have in um, the firmament, and use those. Yeah. That's a good idea. <laughs> I can probably do that next time. We have an eight uh, eight year anniversary in December, so um, eight years? No, that can't be right. Yes, yeah, it can be right. Twenty fifteen, it would be eight. No, fourteen. Yeah, so twenty fourteen. Oh, we're getting there. Yeah, right, well, twenty fourteen. Yeah, eight years then. Goodness me. Wow. Well, um, yes, also th uh, 300 episodes, um, which uh, is, uh, that's a lot of episodes. <clears throat> this shit don't stop. This shit don't stop. Uh, we mm -hmm. need to do at least 65. Well, that's a reference a lot of people don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Anyways, uh, in addition to uh, probably, uh, well, we're probably not going to mention this anymore, but um, it's episode 300, uh, May 21st, 2022. Uh, this uh, main topics in this episode, uh, we have a Yoshi P interview. Um, which is more like um, it's a more um, like a background, like it's more about his background uh, and how he we became. We kind of have two Yoshi P interviews. We do have two. We'll get to the second one is in relation to something else. But yeah, there's a big interview with which is more about like how he his rise to fame, I guess, as the Yoshi P we know today. And uh, we are also um, on May 16th. We celebrated the 20th anniversary. Of Final Fantasy XI. 
Uh, and oh, in, yeah. What a game. Uh, and uh, Yoshi P has been interviewed um, regarding that as well. So we'll be going through that. Uh, and pull Tanaka back for it. I hope so. Uh, <laughs> I know that Tanaka will be mentioned in the interview. So Ooh. there's that. Ooh. It's hard not to. Um, but yeah. Uh, and of course, Mogmail, speakersxv.com slash Mogmail. We didn't say this at the end of the previous episode. You can set, you, if you want to send us uh, um, Mogmail, we were supposed to say it last week. We just didn't. But for in, because it's the episode 300, you could have sent us a Mogmail. Now that it's kind of too late now, but maybe you can send one in for next week and we'll read it as if it's episode 300 again. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, all right. Um, that's that. Stay tuned for the post show. If you're watching live, we'll be watching questions. Sorry, we'll not be watching. You will be watching, but we'll be reading questions from the syndicate uh, and answering. Jesus, very choppy intro today. Um, and of course... Uh, in channel updates, like we've just said, this is episode 300. If you weren't aware, it's episode 300, 300. That's 300 Saturdays of my life. Well, we'll, we'll never get that <laughs> well, back. They, were, they yeah. weren't always on Saturday, were they? Yes. They were always sure. on Saturdays. So Think it, about it. Yeah. All those Saturdays, you could have built up a useful skill, like leatherworking. Oh, that would be mm. cool. I don't, I don't know how useful that the working is. In <laughs> but, you know what? <clears throat> but it's sexy. That's what's right. Part. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah. Chad no, is that's make his own the bodice. kind of that's the kind of thing that hipsters find sexy. Rollo. Oh, okay. Like, you wouldn't fuck like, a leather worker. Too good for leather workers. All right, workers. All right. Let's dial back here. The, we like love being all, a butcher. We love leather workers. <laughs> All other workers choice. out there, good people, uh, but people are pointing out there have been a few times where we've, we've moved an episode, and I think there has been like one or two episodes in history that's been cancelled, um, but those are rare, and that's with like all speakers, like except for me, are like cancelling, or if I'm cancelling, which I also think ha- has happened. You, I don't you could handle an episode by yourself. I'd love uh, to watch you do an Who would I so discuss long. with? Like, there uh, would be no, I'd just be sitting yourself. here reading. Yeah. That's not going to work. Hey, some you people do the went solo podcast. I'm sure you could. But this, this podcast yeah, isn't built skill. like that. It's not. To... Yeah, but you just report on the news. And then... So I'd be like, yeah. hello. Okay. Just have, there's, here's, a, here's a little sample. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Speakers of Heidland, uh, episode uh, 399. Uh, in recent events, uh, there's a new. Pogs that has come out. That's very cool. Uh, in other news, uh, Yoshi P is uh, 94 years old, uh, and we congratulate him. You should him, of talk course. about why you think it's cool that Pogs are oh, coming I back. Oh, I think it's cool that Pogs are coming back because that's why are very you talking cool. about Pogs? You can, you can be descriptive. <laughs> well, the firstly, thing is, why did you talk about Pogs? And secondly, how did Yoshi P age like 40 years? I had to come episodes? up with shit. On the spot. I just didn't know, mm. okay? Awful. No, it's yeah. Unsubscribed. He's, pre- he's previewing a <clears throat> podcast episode that's going to take place in about 40 years, Mailer, and the rest <laughs> of us are all dead already. Yes. But mm. there's like a hiatus Some, to 398. Like, against, against all odds, the keel is the one of us that has survived the longest. That ain't happening. The, the fresh is so unhealthy that it's actually flipped. It actually it's became preserving soup. You. Yeah, I like. Mm, oh, I am toxic yeah, waste. It is essentially what it is. Um, anyways, I'm, what I'm trying to say is that this podcast is sort of made like it's 
supposed to have feedback uh, here, but yeah. Anyways, um, I don't uh, think... Um, yeah, I think maybe three. I would say, if I'm going to guess, three episodes have probably been cancelled in our history. And I can't really... And I feel like most of them were yeah. early on. Three episodes cancelled. Three have, speakers cancelled. Because I don't think... I don't <laughs> think... <laughs> I don't think I have... Um, been sick like gone because I'm, well maybe once i think maybe uh, once i had no, like there was one time i think you were just like i i'm dying guys yeah i had like <laughs> explosive diarrhea or something <laughs> because i've i usually i've i've been on this podcast with like fever and like i've been sick mm. coming to this podcast many times um because there's no health hazard to anyone around me because I'm alone in here, so it's fine. No. <laughs> as long as I can talk. A, we don't have a workplace health policy. Exactly, so exactly. You all expect it to turn up no matter what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. worst time was when you were so deathly ill that it felt, felt like you died, and we had no idea where oh, you were. Oh, yeah, that's the one That one was good. <laughs> yeah. I do like the episodes where you just disappear in the middle of the podcast. You, you and make... we're just like... You make it sound like that happens a lot. I think that is. It's happened ever. like twice, which is more than enough for Has me to enjoy. Twice? I think it's happened once. I think it only was it happened once. once. Yeah. Was, oh, I don't. Know. Maybe it was under the desk. It left and such it an like impact on your roll that it's like feels like it was multiple. <laughs> it was <laughs> the trauma. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, well, um, welcome everyone. Let's jump into recent events. Whoa. That was a bit sudden. Yeah. What? Well, was it sudden for you? <laughs> I'm sorry. It woke me up. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. Well, in recent events, uh, the Uniqlo collaboration uh, with, sorry, the Final Fantasy and uh, Uniqlo collaboration has launched in North America. Um, it will release later in other regions. So May 27th in uh, for EU and June 9th in Australia. Mm, that launch was... Uh, dramatic uh, people killed each other yeah. there was bloodshed in the streets yeah uh good luck to you if i mean you know mm. happy you got the shirt yeah. i knew i wasn't going to i didn't even try right yeah there's no uniqlo near me mm -hmm. i'm fine you, you, you can order it online yeah. i don't I don't, think it's a good, I don't think it's a good enough shirt for me to warrant that. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Day. All right. I think so the 14th it. shirt is one of the well, best ones. The 14th shirt, which is the one on the slide, is perhaps the best. Yeah, I think that's the best one. Um, there's some... Well, just to cover the North American one, it sold out almost immediately. Uh, so... Um, I don't know. Do we have any ETA on, like, restocks or... Well, I've heard that there have been occasional restocks because people have been refreshing the website and every now and then different sizes are available that weren't available before. So okay. keep checking. Mm. Yeah, I don't honest. know if it's a good idea to keep going in person to your stores because <laughs> it's a waste of your time. I would much more recommend just refreshing the website every now and then and seeing if they have restocked. Right, yeah. And yeah, they'll come back. Yeah. So uh, good luck to uh, the EU and Australia when they launch. Mm -hmm. uh, you know what? What you know? You, you got to be there early uh, if you, you want. You got to be there at midnight, yeah. refreshing that page. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really annoying. Uh, so, so Uniqlo um, EU, you have to search Final Fantasy for no, sorry, just Final Fantasy to get it. It's not like on the. Maybe that will change when we get closer to the date. Um, but when you do. They're not listed in like the way that they are on the. I think the one you showed me in 
Georgi, was the Australian one where the where they're listed like there's buttons you can click for like all the different numbers and then they're listed chronologically. On the NA one, they're just in just no order. They're just in random order on the website. Very annoying. Why? It's literally the same company. Why don't you just copy paste this the the same style? Don't know. Uh why, I mean, I'm happy that the Australian website is the one that is the best of the three, <laughs> but I don't understand why. Mm. Um, but yeah, so the designs, some mixed bag, I'd say, in terms of okay. quality. I, I think a lot of them are bad. Yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of literally ones text. that there's like a, a page of text on the on the shirt. Like, what are you doing? Are people, Maybe. Are people gonna just, just not hip? I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe we're just boomers now, and this is what all the zoomers like. They like long, oh, like love that. fucking. You, uh, are people? I, feel like I see a lot of shirts with words on them, but I don't know not if that's that, necessarily. Maybe. Really? I mean, I, I live in a different country to you. Yeah, so but I'm maybe. just saying, not that. Surely, like, like the sixth one, where like the the whole plot of the game is at the back yeah. of the shirt. <laughs> it's an acquired taste. I mean, I think it's interesting the design, at least. It's better than just, I don't know, the logo on a shirt, I guess. Mm, that's true. I mean, that would have been better for some of them. Yeah. Yeah. I would prefer them to go through the, like the 12 design, where it's the, a big, big part of the game is like a silhouette. Mm -hmm. I like that. Similarly mm -hmm. with uh, 11 and 9. Mm. They're nice. Some or the cute pixel art. Some like are just, just Some are just straight up shit though. Like it, seven eight, and eight. Eight literally okay. just has that, like you know, that picture of Squall with the gun blade. Uh, yeah, and then it's just cut you. in a in a rectangle. Uh, yeah. Why? Yeah, uh, I don't want to see anyone wearing such this. a disrespect. They just continue to disrespect <laughs> eight. They just can't I show mean, it any respect. I know. I know you say this about eight, Lakeel, but the seven one is probably the, the seven second one. worst. That's all the true. Shirts. That's true. Seven did what not. Do you get mean Mako, Midgar, yeah, Aerith, yeah. Wow, I love your shirt that has these. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, also, dying. Also, the thirteen <laughs> one. Which you'd think they have loads of asset. Remember, she was like a fucking Louis uh, Vuitton the, model, wasn't she? So I feel like they would have yeah, lots of like, assets of her. The false C or whatever they are, though, they had cool designs. But Mela, like, it's GMS cut pattern. off at the back. The picture yeah, is mean, cut. It's a it's a that, transparent PNG that they've somehow managed to fucking cut at the ass. Why? I just don't understand fashion, Nikhil. I'm just yeah. saying. I'm, I'm ruining that shirt for, a lot of, shirt for a lot of people now, but you may not have noticed, but if you uh -huh. go back and look at the 13 shirt, you will see that that ass is cut. Mm. Alright. Part of me thinks it's on purpose, but I don't know why they would do that. What? I don't think it's on I think they were like, oh, this is a cool I asset. Oh, damn, Nikhil, we didn't render the whole thing. Slap it we in. Don't no one's going to notice. Fashion. This is, is avant-garde, and you, you just couldn't Okay, it. you know what? You know what? I'm just going to say, yeah, we, this might be outside of our range. Maybe this is what people want. Cut off I love... PNGs. Well, here's uh, yeah. the thing. It's not just the Final Fantasy shirts that I think are not to my taste <laughs> from Uniqlo. There are a lot of, like, these print-branded uh, shirts that Uniqlo does. I think a lot of them are... I personally think a lot of them are ugly. So, but but shouldn't we 
who's the demographic for Final Fantasy t-shirts, especially up to well, like nerds. 13? Fat People nerds. buy these shirts that don't even like these franchises. Yeah. In my I mean, experience, if it I has mean, a nice design. Okay. I would just see people just wear like band shirts so they don't even like the band. I mean, like, and that's fine. I mean, hey, I mean look shout at out Kay. to Kay's cooking. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. people just like the logo. Like that's that's fine. Yeah, right? yeah. I guess it's made for them. Well, yeah. If you if you don't like if you if you like the logo, you might not like the half page of lore that you get with it. You know, it might, it's a little. They've they've had some really they have some really good designs well, that are ruined by just slapping text on it. Well, uh, the slap the the deluge of text upon some of them, I feel like comes from Japanese aesthetics of where just having like English words on things can be an aesthetic that is appealing to them. I just don't think it translates very well to us because we can read them yeah yeah that is fair yeah uh okay well anyways get what you want I, there's some of them i like i like the ones is that like four with the chocobos and the, that one's good because that, one, that one's that's just, five that's five okay yeah the, uh, the like 11 one looks good yeah 11 yeah. looks good 11 looks very good um cool. and of course i, I wish i cared about already. 11 at all to to <laughs> justify purchasing it oh i'm definitely getting that. i think you should purchase it yes yeah. Well, if I can. Um, okay, um, that's uh, the Uniqlo. So the, it's already underway in North America. Um, 27th, May 27th in the EU and or in Europe and June 9th in Australia. So your alarms, everyone, for midnight. You yep. don't want to miss out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Not doing this for a shirt. Sorry. <laughs> All right. There's an upcoming maintenance. But before we do that, I need to point this out because I know we've been gaslit by our own community on this picture. And I'm going to call back to a, a very specific moment where we looked at this uh, picture. I'm going to take it off screen now for a second so you don't remember it. So that's the Realm Reborn promo picture, right? Where they're running down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Remember when I pointed out those Moogles, have they always been there? And everyone's like, yes, they've definitely always been there. And I, for a long time, I was like, well, I guess they were. I just never saw them uh, until now because they use them a lot in promo uh, art now. Um, and I've been thinking about this like Loki for a long time. Like, I can't believe I never saw the Moogles because every time I've seen the picture since the Moogles are in there. Look at this. They're not in there. They were not oh. there. Oh. I have, and when I saw that, it, my world unraveled because I'm oh like, oh my, my god, god. I thought I was wrong, and I was right the all along. Bernstein universe, it's, oh. it's real. <laughs> there were no Moogles in the original picture, uh, so that was a big moment. Anyways, unrelated, uh, upcoming maintenance uh, on May twenty uh, third. So it's in two days. It's on Tuesday. Uh, patch six point. No, sorry, sorry, Monday for Europe. Monday, May twenty third. Oh. Is that a Monday? It'll probably yeah. be over by yeah. the time you watch this if you're watching. Oh, yeah, if on you're watching demand. on demand, it's already done. So this is old news for you. In order to implement patch 6.11a, maintenance will be will take place on all worlds at the time below, during which Final Fantasy XIV will be unavailable. So 11 p.m., this is PDT. So 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. I think that's standard times for uh, maintenance, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah. Uh, um, once again, asking... When is 6.15? <laughs> I told you, Gyogi, it's June 14th. Plus what is even a week? 
it's been so long, I forgot what's even coming in 6.15, in all honesty. Arcosador, or whatever they're called, the elephant people to try quests. Yeah. Oh, right! Mm -hmm. Okay. The Arcosador, Ameliants, um, the, the thing with Alpha. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Omega storyline. Yeah, the Omega storyline. Uh, wait. As Tatara's Grand Adventure. That's it. Oh, as well. oh yeah. And Tatara's Grand Adventure, yes. It's a pretty big Oh, yeah. Match. And Hildebrand. And Hildebrand. And Hildebrand. Oh, my God. This is so much so that they much. are not giving to us. Yeah. Giving us yet. These longer past it's all Well, yeah. It's all content it that will last as well. Like quest lines you can do at your own pace and then yes. weeklies or dailies. Yeah. I. But that's the issue. Why did they give us one weekly at, at patch launch? Well, remember the patch cycle is longer, so they have to wait. Yeah, just think how long that. it's going to be until. And then we have to wait. Yeah, they've taken more for the. They've next taken patch. some of the things that <laughs> they could have given us, like I don't know, custom deliveries or the Arcosaurus. Give us something oh, else to do besides. Yeah, I agree. The twenty-four man raid every week. Yeah, it is kind of mm -hmm. weird that, um, and still we don't have a date for it, and. I saw it in chat as well, but I don't remember. What, did they say May for 6.14? Did we actually get like a uh, a target for? No, I don't think they've ever given us a date for 6.15. Okay, so we just don't know. It, we're out. Okay, and that might have been us theorizing May, and uh, for mm -hmm. but it, I don't think wrong. we're right about that because <laughs> time is essentially running out. <laughs> no, I was expecting it to be like four to six weeks after the initial patch launch. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to hit that. No. Uh, so June uh, for 6.15, um, but yeah, there you go. Uh, 6.11a on Monday. Uh, so choose, yeah, Monday. All right, next. 32-bit. Bye-bye. That's very uh, insulting. <laughs> That's why I chose it. <laughs> uh, all right, so uh, the uh, Lodestone has uh, posted an update regarding 32-bit systems um, and the end, not only of support, but end of just service for 32-bit uh, systems. Uh, thank you for your continued support of Final Fantasy XIV. As previously announced, Windows 7 and Mac 32-bit applications are no longer supported by Final Fantasy XIV, but it has still been possible to run and play the game on them. However, for security reasons, with patch 6.15, we will be shutting down communications using TLS 1.0-1.1, which will completely disable use of Windows 7 and Mac 32-bit applications that do not support TLS 1.2 or later. If you plan to continue playing Final Fantasy XIV in either of these older OSs, please consider updating to their latest versions before the release of patch 6.15. So it's not actually over. They they give you a little thing there at the end. You, If your OS allows it, it seems like Windows 7 might still hobble on, on if you can update it to the latest version. I don't know if there are if it's possible with a Mac. I feel like Mac phased out 32-bit a mm. while ago. Um, but I've, yeah, this particular piece of information makes me feel as if 6.15 is actually further away than we think, because mm -hmm. I think they would not give you this warning when it's only like a week or two away. That's true. Yeah. I think that would be very cruel to do to players that may have just purchased like more subscription weeks and then just like, yeah, well, 
your old system can't be supported anymore. And this was posted on May 17th, which might give us a bit of an idea of when the patch might come out. Because if they wait a month, then around, well, like when, you know, 17th-ish June of 14th. June. June 14th mm -hmm. is probably a good uh, guess. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so there you go. Uh, because, yeah. yeah, people have had the warning. We know that yes. officially it's not supported anymore. So yeah. people knew that there was a deadline. It's just they didn't know that it would eventually be unusable completely. I'd be very interested to know if anyone is still using a 32-bit system. Like, uh, um, of, Yeah, of because I viewers. only want to be able to use a maximum of 4 gigabytes of RAM. <laughs> yeah, because there's so much. Like, if you're using Windows 7, there's... A lot of restrictions. Was it two gigs? No, four. No, it was four gigs. Yeah. Wasn't it? it's yeah. four. Yeah, I uh, really go out of your way to stick to thirty-two bit. Yeah, I feel like at that point you're just doing it as like a statement for some reason. Like I refuse. Thirty-two bit is superior to sixty-four bit. Um, <sighs> but I mean, it's been so long since that was even a like a a consideration though. <laughs> yeah, like to even run something in sixty-four bit. Yeah, because I remember even like seven came out in like sixty-four bit versions, didn't they? At some like at yeah. the end of its life. I remember yeah. having sixty-four bit seven. Um which I guess if you have a sixty-four bit Windows seven, I guess you can still play. So hey seven yeah. lives on. <laughs> uh yeah, some people say seven is superior. And I think the people that say that Windows seven are is superior are people that haven't actually tried ten. Oh no, 10 is... Well, they were burned by 8. Yeah, but you can't just be like, oh well, we say get back on the horse. Isn't that like a thing we say? When you fall off the horse, you get back on it. You don't You don't go, oh, I fell off the horse. <laughs> never touch horse again. That, that's <laughs> dumb. <laughs> I'll never touch horse. Think about the people... Never touch horse people again. ...that went from XP to Vista, and then they were like... <sighs> can't afford another OS anytime soon. And then when 8 came out, they're like, now's the time. <laughs> Imagine if there were people, because you know how, like, you might skip a generation for upgrading. Yeah. Imagine people are always on the bad timeline. So, like, <laughs> to, to whatever. To 8. eight. To eight. Yeah. yeah. And now 11. Yeah. They're on Windows ME first. They loved it so oh, much. Oh, it was the greatest. Millennium Edition. <laughs> didn't that have like a silver UI? Uh, it was bad. I, I didn't like it. I used it. Um, Windows keeps telling me to update every time I restart my computer. To now. 11? No, no, I'm not. I refuse. <laughs> not yet. I'm still, I, I, I have not received enough positive affirmations someone... on 11's. Yeah, I, I was forced into 11 uh, with my new computer, and I uh, hate it here. Uh, there are so many things that you have in 10 that they, for some reason, didn't put here. I, I will just say, I, I'm not going to, I feel like I rant about this every time I bring it up, but this is the one, this is the, this is, I don't, Hello? I have to say this. This is the worst thing they've ever done. When you right click mm -hmm. in Windows, any version before this trash fire you got a list of things uh, and that was the list of things right and you know what the list of yeah. things are and at the bottom is properties that's usually how yeah. it goes yeah uh-huh they decided 
well, let's make our own little menu with like a little bar at the top with just icons that you have to like memorize for like renaming and copying and shit. And then if you want the old stuff, there's an extra bar at the bottom that you click and then it opens the old one out of the new one. So that's when you get the old draw. Why just, why? You could just keep the old one. I'm fine with that. So, so I will I, I agree what you're describing sounds very annoying. I will defend the transition from words into pictures. I mean, that is how we get things like the fact that we still use a floppy disk as a save symbol. Eventually, these things become part of the zeitgeist and people will get used to it. We're just getting old now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's old man yelling at this guy. But why? No, you know, I'm defending the names because you know why? In the context menu, a lot of times the little, uh, uh, the first letter is highlighted. Right? Like, war underscore, you're like, oh, I hit that button, it opens up that fucking command. You can't do that with fucking pictures. Right. There's the shortcuts. <laughs> yeah. Think about people who are yeah, using that's... screen readers as well. That's How are they true. Cope? Yeah, well, yeah. And, well, Rollo, and I can't counteract what Mayla said. I think that's unjustifiable. But they probably will have, like, text versions of that. Yeah, I hope so. anyway. Well, yeah, Jurgen, um, you can just click open extra options and then you can find them in text form <laughs> yeah but th maybe that's for boomers maybe they want no young because people if you're literally symbols. if you do anything other than uh pet the icon uh hey tell icon it's a nice day uh, if you're using your os for work you need that other menu because everything else is hidden in there. It's like, you know what? I'm going to yeah, right click right is, now. Most people don't use these for work. A lot of people, uh, there's a lot of people like the lay person does not use a lot of the features a computer does that particularly you would in your line okay. of work. Like, you know, I'm going to right click an item. Now, what, what, what a thing on this, to talk about. on this menu, you have open, open with, Set as desktop background and then rotate. This is a picture. Rotate right, rotate left, compress, zip file, copy as path, and then properties. Which I think they, I think properties is something they they might have added in an update because I feel like it wasn't there. And then you click show more options, and you get all of the other shit. Like uh, why is it's in Norwegian? I'm not going to read it, but it's it's very annoying. <laughs> it's infuriating. And also, if you if you have a computer that like works with where you have other programs that add oh, uh, other context, other things to the context menu, doesn't show up. Then you have to go down to show more. Very annoying, infuriating. All right, uh, thank you. Uh, that was my eleven soapbox. Anyways, thirty two, but it's good. Dying. <laughs> <laughs> back to, to the, back to the topic. What a if what a rant. I don't think Final Fantasy. Uh, sorry, I don't think Windows 11 is officially supported yet. Is it for 14? Uh, I don't think there's been an announcement. No. No. <sighs> Anyways, moving on. The, we we're not done with this goddamn housing lottery shit. <laughs> there's more problems. <laughs> <laughs> There's just more and more problems with this shit. Um, there is a display error now in the Final Fantasy XIV housing lottery system where it's showing the wrong deadline for acquiring the plots. It says it's May 17th, but it's actually May 26th. All just right. Stop. Just can't well, I suspect get it right. This is something, I suspect this is something that will automatically fix itself with the next set. The reason they're not fixing it this time is because they would have to manually change it. It's just so funny that it's this <laughs> again. They had to fuck this up. This, the sorest point in the game, and you <laughs> fucked it up. 
Oh, God, I hate housing. Uh, all right. Um, so anyways, that's all. That's your PSA. The shit's broken again, but don't worry. It's your house. <laughs> don't <laughs> you turn in your money. You can don't turn it in. Don't turn in your Get money. Your money back. Uh, just <laughs> keep that money. They gave you a free house. Congratulations. Yeah, don't be a sucker. No, that money will fund public yeah. works. <laughs> uh, one thing that I've seen that people might might convince peep, some people to do it is that people are theorizing they're going to make the NPC someone really likable. Like that, like that, um, that elephant, that elephant, the blue elephant in, um, Imperium, what's it called? Imperium? Um, so like you get to give your money to Emmerich. Won't you want to do uh, that? No. You want to do that. What is, is he going to walk up to you and go like, <laughs> no, I, 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 maybe Emmerich will give you a title if you do it for him. I think yeah, he the title's sucker. behind we you. I said that last time. week. Stop stealing my joke. <laughs> I'm just saying that whatever the title is, to us, it would always be sucker. Well, we can't get it. That's no. Never get. Thank God. No. Thank God for that. I'm not going to be a fool giving away money. They give you a free house and you're like, no, I'm gonna, actually, I'm, I'm going to pay for it. Uh, no. Uh, Yoshi P, keep a name of everyone who hasn't given back their money and just delete them from the game in like a month's time. Uh, no, do whatever you want, whatever. Oh, what's that? Every day you don't pay back your money, you'll lose a random level on a job? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> okay, we're moving on. Uh, Final Fantasy XI is 20 years old. It Whoa. turned 20 on May 16th. Congratulations. Oh Tanaka is Yoshi P. That's right. After all this time, that's that's right. That's the big and reveal. look at that other guy's shirt. That's yeah. wild, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are they like Marlboro cigarette packets or something? <laughs> yes. Um, so we have um, an interview with um, Yoshi P. It is an interview. It's kind of weird because it's with the producer of Final Fantasy Eleven. Uh, 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 Matsui, mm-hmm. um, who's he's interviewing Naoki Yoshida, so the the producer of what Eleven. How awkward they look. Yeah, he's on the right. That's Matsui. That it's yeah. They have like this <laughs> body language. A, yeah, it's <laughs> it's a kind That's of an awkward photo. Um, I wonder if it's taken during it's like the pandemic. Oh, that's probably yeah, yeah. Yoshi P's not no, giving us positive the, vibes. I still have these requirements in Japan. Ah, so. I see. Even if it was taken now, it would still be like this. Okay. It's kind of funny, though. But perfect for the Eleven logo. All right. uh, So we're just going to jump right into this interview because it's kind of interesting to hear. um, Because Eleven is very important to 14. Without Eleven, there wouldn't be a 14. Um, So, well, there wouldn't be... There wouldn't be anything past 10, (laughs) technically, if there wasn't an Eleven. But you know what I mean. Uh, Okay. So... It's starting off pretty uh, awkwardly with uh, the headline, Carrying on Mr. Tanaka's Legacy. Uh-oh. Uh, Matsu uh, <laughs> says, Final Fantasy XI is celebrating its 20th anniversary at last, and our interview on this occasion is with Mr. Yoshida, the head of our creative business unit 3. This also happens to be our 10th interview, so I'm deeply... Mo- yeah, they've had a lot of interviews so i'm deeply moved Wait, that this, no in this series celebrating <laughs> this, this, this particular <laughs> celebration 20 years of 10 interviews uh so i'm deeply moved that the series has finally come 
this far. Thank you again for joining us today. She says, thank you for having me. To begin, as the head of creative business uh, unit three, the division over... Wait, I'm kind of confused by this. So is he not actually... It's a conversation between producer Matsu and special guest. But when the questions are asked, sometimes it's just like a... Um, That's probably the interviewer. So there is an interviewer as well. Mm -hmm. I thought they were be, just yeah. having like a talk. Okay, so there's a, there's a third person. Right, they're just... Yeah, they're redacted. a salary man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, to begin, as the head of Creative Business Unit 3, the division overseeing the 11 project, how exactly are you involved with Final Fantasy 11? Yoshida says, please allow me to explain from the beginning. First of all, Final Fantasy XI had a very unique position in Square Enix as its first MMORPG. Final Fantasy XI was our first instance of business alliances with PC manufacturers and preparing dedicated marketing staff. At the forefront of it all was Mr. Hiromichi <laughs> Tanaka, uh, and this made him a key figure of extreme significance. After I took over Final Fantasy XIV version 1.0, the other project he was overseeing, Mr. Hiromiji returned to focusing on his role as Final Fantasy XI producer until he departed from Square Enix and was never seen again. I added that last <laughs> bit. That was when he asked me, Yoshida, if you can, would you take over Final Fantasy XI too? And that was how I became involved with Final Fantasy XI. That's cute. Yeah. Um... <sighs> I'm not very good at making MMOs. Well, he's going to talk more about he's going to talk more about Tanaka because I'm that's the thing I'm more like very interested to know. I just because I feel like yeah. it's so ominous. Like he just disappeared. He's like he went back to Eleven for a bit, but then he's like, no, bye, and then he's just gone from Square. Put him in the gacha mines. Yeah, <laughs> awful. Uh, I see. So there's some history between the two of you. Ishida says, I owed a huge debt of gratitude to Mr. Hiramishi, and so given it was an MMO business, I decided to oversee it within the division I was managing at the time, Business Division 5. After taking over, I pondered what should be done for Final Fantasy XI, a game supported by many passionate players, and my resolution was to ensure the operations of Final Fantasy XI can continue as long as possible. Matsuyu says, back then there were lots of specifics that only Mr. Tanaka was privy to, and I remember Mr. Yoshida conducting a thorough internal inspection to uncover them. That sounds on point with Tanaka, because that's kind of what <laughs> uh, made 1.0 sort of collapse, was this like weird secrecy between the departments, like they never spoke, and they were like, <laughs> one dude would come out of an office to another, knock on the door and be like, can we use this location in an um, upcoming quest? And they'd be like, yeah, it's all right, okay, bye. That was sort of, that was the extent of cooperation. Um, sounds like, uh, that sounds, uh, that sounds like 1.0. Uh, Yoshida says, uh, that I did. I was looking at the numbers for everything, including development related costs, personnel assigned to each aspect of the game, how the patch cycles worked for it, labor and server maintenance expenses, and so on. These specifics were crucial, not only for me, but for Mr. Matsu as well. He also needed a firm understanding of the numbers as he was to take over as producer. Uh, with Mr. Hiromichi leaving the company, uh, neglecting to comprehend these specifics would be the downfall of our operations and ultimately force us to end the service for the game. Ah, uh, they shouldn't have. <laughs> what a shame. They shouldn't have understood everything so well. Of course, on an emotional level, I wanted Final Fantasy XI to maintain its previous scale of operations. However, if we kept going at, the, at that scale and couldn't bring in enough revenue as a result... That would be the worst-case scenario. Therefore, my first venture after taking over Final Fantasy XI was to uncover the specifics and decide what to cut back or expand upon. 
Yeah, he's not, he's sort of like, if you read in between the lines here, it's clear that he kind of took over some, he wasn't quite happy with the state of things behind the scenes. <laughs> I, I, okay, uh, I'm not surprised. It feels like, the, the, like, when he says what to cut back on or expand on, was his final decision to not develop the game for like another 10 years and then just to add an expansion randomly uh, like when did he take over after all the expansions were already out uh yeah like oh Seekers yeah was out whatever, i, I think oh no yeah he definitely if he took over around uh 1.0 then the last the game would have been done yeah i think the last expansion would so have he did, just released yeah so he just he just maintained it yeah well to be Until fair after he took over a lot happened like they started getting more they got well they take well technically the era of expansions had ended they still mm -hmm. got like rhapsodies of vanadil and there's still oh, story yeah. content coming now so i mean mm -hmm. he did breathe new life into it uh what about your current involvement with final fantasy 11 yoshida says currently aside from sharing information on the interval and content of version updates i'm primarily involved in the budgeting side of things i generally evaluate the cost effectiveness of advertising and pr is there any advertising for 11 i don't think i've seen that in like 15 years um this interview series being one did, such did you example skip a section oh i'm sorry Oh, yes, I did. Yes. Um, sorry. We were still talking about what he had to cut back or expand upon. Matsu says, it was an in uh, inevitable part of securing the game's future. Uh, Yoshida says, another matter was how long we could maintain support for North America and Europe. Our investigations revealed there was still a high demand in North America. So we increased our resources there and moved forward with advertising and public relations as well. However... Back then, our overseas offices were predominantly focused on Final Fantasy XIV and lacked the staff to devote to Eleven. To resolve this, we approached Square Enix America to reevaluate their staffing, plan for anniversary-related and promotional projects, and community events. After that, we held another discussion with the team to establish a long-term plan, after which Mr. Matsuyu and his team took over the operations, and here we are now. Uh, notice that sounds like a dream. I would love to work on the eleven team in like Europe. You would have to do that's your destiny. Nothing anyway. all day. You'd probably just you be just like a GM, up. just walking around. I guess I feel I don't feel like they don't even have like a real department for eleven. Oh, that'd be so nice. Europe. As long as I get paid like sixty k. Yeah. See, that Thank sounds you. pretty sweet. Just sitting in a dead game, chilling. I'm so, sorry, Eleven is not a dead game. I know I'm triggering so many. I'm an Eleven player. I'm an Eleven player myself. I'm allowed to say uh, that. You don't play anymore. I do. There's yeah. actually a free login campaign now. Uh, Why don't you play yeah, some of the new stuff, him? huh? It's just yeah, yeah. That's right. The face, uh huh. I felt it. What? Okay, yeah. You know, you know how it is. Uh, what about your current involvement in Final Fantasy XI? Yoshida says, currently, aside from sharing information on the interval and content of version updates, I'm primarily involved in the budgeting side of things. I generally evaluate the cost effectiveness of advertising and PR, this interview series being one such example, and provide alternate ideas should there be any shortcomings. Yeah, technically, this is... this. We are giving... Eleven, some PR. I don't now, think I you can. I don't think you can necessarily call it advertising when it's literally on the game's website. Mm. You have to have come here already interested in Eleven to find their interview. That's true. Yeah, yeah but this gets it. shared around. Okay, and yeah, then people will see it, but don't necessarily see it. Yeah, that's true. 
Uh, okay. Um, so, um, it seems like uh, your role requires a different mindset compared to working on standalone games. Yoshida says, that's right. When it comes to MMORPGs, spending money on ad advertising and PR uh, has the effect of retaining more players. But this is a difficult concept for someone who hasn't been exposed to the online game business. It's often said that money shouldn't be spent without an explicit plan for profit. But the opposite is true when managing a monthly subscription MMORPG where player retention is the profit. On the other hand, the hard part about the MMORPG business is that doing nothing leads to a decline in player retention, which means decreased revenue. Understanding this concept makes an enormous difference. I'm not stingy in giving the go-ahead to spend, but when we do... I evaluate the cost-effectiveness and have the team make the most of the information for our next expenditure. <laughs> then this very... this See, if I was the editor for this article, I would slash this line where the interviewer just says, I see. And then Yoshida <laughs> says... Uh, so done, eh? uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. And then Yoshida says, On the other hand, I believe the game content should generally be left to Mr. Uh, Matsui and his team, rather than have me superficially intervene. With that said, when they're making the game more accessible for new and returning players, I do occasionally ask them to tweak certain aspects for the user interface that I, as a third party, found confusing. Oh, can you ask them to change a couple more things, Yoshihei? <laughs> can you ask you them to rehaul the just entire change UI? The entire UI? Well, yeah, I'm not going to defend Eleven's UI. It is legend. What it's legendary. What though? That made it better. Like Windower. Yeah, but that's... yeah Windower makes they everything you better. You use it. Yeah. Oh, is that is that still like a? You thing? shouldn't yes. have to be expected okay. to use it. Well, no, no, I, I was just curious. Well, if it was still available. We can safely talk about Windower because the devs themselves use it. So, mm -hmm. Windower is just an accepted part of Eleven. <laughs> it's the way it's meant to be played. Um, all right. Uh, Matsui uh, says, w w when we revamped the Final Fantasy Eleven installer in 2019. Yes, they did. Right. That's why it now only takes, you know, half an hour to install Eleven instead of 16 hours, which was the, the old <laughs> install speed. Um, Still wasn't pleasant. <laughs> no, but God, yeah. it was worse. The constant uh, music. Yeah, but you'd, at least you don't have to listen to that in a loop for, like, the whole day. And it didn't mm. matter how fast your internet was, because it still did, like, w the way it worked, it was file by file, and then just read and verified mm. every time it downloaded. It took fucking forever. Um, There's a reason we don't make installers that play music anymore. <laughs> well, yes. Uh, I mean, the reason it played music was because you're going to be here a while. We're just going to try. Uh, to I would rather it not fall, but yeah, I would rather it not. No, let myself yeah, do other things. Yeah, yeah. But this was a. Uh, this game is so old that back then you couldn't do anything else on your computer. That <laughs> was the operation. Was for back then, yeah. yeah so true. <laughs> uh, well, they had Tetramaster. <laughs> they had Tetramaster built in, so you could Why play Tetra. Would they pick Tetramaster? <laughs> I don't know. What do you mean? It's the, I, the worst the card game they've ever made. So. I so desperately need to play Eleven now. Now I'm just like Rollo. It's free right now, so you know it. it, it you well, can dip your to it, toes. Monetarily, Rollo, it is free. Yes, but you must consider <laughs> the cost of time. I, I have nothing. 
listen, I start school next week. I'm going to use all the free time I have left. Yeah. For 11. And 11 will eat it for you. Uh, uh, Asura is where we are, I think. For those that are wondering, okay. our characters are on right, Asura. Let's get back in there, Gyoki. <laughs> let's get some dingbats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Anyways, moving back uh, to the article. When we revamped the 11 install installer in 2019, we first asked Mr. Yoshida to have a look, uh, then tweaked words and phrases that were hard to understand. Yoshida says, Final Fantasy XI is an MMORPG with such a distinguished history, and it'd be a pity if players couldn't make it past the entrance. So I directed the team, mm. maybe maybe adjust that dingbat quest, though, because <laughs> that mm. one is a little, a little jarring. It wasn't uh, too bad for me. No, but that's the problem. It's too heavily I, reliant I on RNG. It's but much too RNG. If there are players that are like me, Mela, that experience what I experience, that is probably depending on the percentage, a significant amount of players that have chosen... Levin's not for me. <laughs> yeah, because we were there for hours. Most of the server came and helped you. That's That was very sweet. <laughs> but even then, they can't help you like in, a, in any way because it's still RNG. Um, but yeah. Okay. I love it. I love random number. Not even number go up or down, just number. But it, that is... 11 is the old school experience like if you still want i mean there's runescape classic runescape of course which is also i guess mm -hmm. old school but 11 is like more of the the next gen old school if that makes sense it still has rng hours to wait for spawning things mm -hmm. uh, recipes for crafting that are so fucking horrendous like the getting the items is so horribly difficult that you you cry yourself to sleep at night and then you wake up and go <laughs> straight back in um yeah it is it is it, it's harsh um it's also a game that i think you can play solo now somewhat uh maybe not but it's not like fully soloable yet like it's still i think the story is the story is for the most part soloable yeah oh, but the well, high level fine. stuff is, is, is party okay um final fantasy 11 is an mmorp so i said that um um, so I directed the team to make the installer more accessible by using words that are more common today. <laughs> so uh, were they saying like, press thine button to log us in? <laughs> Just very old. Uh, Matsu says... I, mean, I don't know, it probably continued to ask you, do you have a modem? You'll need a modem to play <laughs> this game. <laughs> yeah, oh god. Matsu says, prior to that, the installer still had technical jargon that was quite difficult to understand. I think we sub uh, subconsciously believed those words were still common knowledge, just as they were for PC users back when the game was released wow. two decades ago. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. exactly what I'm talking about with the pictures. The, pi the words will be lost to time, but the pictures will still be with us i think we still say picture. copy and paste though that is no, true we say we say we uh, say arrow going in this direction oh my god what a bleak future uh all right mm. uh yoshida says pc users back then were kind of the uh, people that were knowledgeable about graphics cards and such after all laughs because times had changed i felt we should be careful to avoid tripping up our players with that kind of technical jargon i wonder what that was like me <laughs> i'm the, the 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 luddite that doesn't understand the things that you talk about <laughs> matsu says we also tweaked the chat feature based on the modern standards we learned from mr yoshida 
Yoshida says, another discussion we had was what we could do for returning players looking to rejoin the community after a long absence. Final Fantasy XI was released during the golden age of MMORPGs, and there are many who consider XI mm-hmm. as a place where they that they can go home to. Or sorry, come home to. However, I guess that players would come back to Final Fantasy XI all alone and end up logging off without reuniting with anyone. Oh, no. So I requested uh... a system to help players reconnect with others. That's right. They had literally had like a Tinder for Final Fantasy XI, yeah. where you you swiped through like people. It was interesting. Um, Matsu says, A recent games try to keep social interactions casual, but Final Fantasy XI was designed to be more fun with close-knit communities. So we've been receiving advice on how to rebuild that aspect. We've also borrowed engineers from Creative Business Unit 3 on a number of occasions. Yoshida says, In regard to profitable operations, hiring server engineers and other staff to work exclusively on Final Fantasy XI around the clock the whole year round would increase its expenses. So in Creative Business Unit 3, engineering fees are expensed under Final Fantasy XIV, while the Final Fantasy XI team can submit proposals for tasks that require engineers. Once the proposal has been reviewed and approved, we have the programmers estimate the costs and then have a discussion with them. If we ask them to focus on 11 for three months, for example, then Final Fantasy XI would only incur costs for those three months. This allows us to keep costs down and is one of the perks of overseeing two MMORPGs in our division. Ah. Uh, I'm, not, I'm just going to skip every time I see an, as a, the a pointless comment from the interviewer. I'm just going to skip it. <laughs> When our engineers are unsure what to prioritize, we can designate their priorities and allow them to work productively without hesitation, which I believe is also one of our strengths. That's interesting. Uh, I mean, it wouldn't... I don't know if it would make any sense to have, like, a dedicated 11 engineering team now. I feel like there's very little server maintenance required for 11. Um... Okay, the events leading up to joining Square Enix. This is an interesting question because it kind of relates to what we're going to talk about later. Yes. I'm sure this is something you've already talked about on multiple occasions. But would you tell us again about how you joined Square Enix? Should we maybe skip this for the for the interview? I feel like this might actually be a lot of what we're talking about. Uh, um. I'm going to say we should... Probably make a call quick. Make oh, call. God, I need to make a call real quick. I didn't realize <laughs> that it was call. this long. Um, ye- okay. I'm kill. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think we should hold this. Maybe we can come back to it. Another yeah, we can time come back we to find it. out that it's not covered in the what are we co- talking yeah. about today? Yeah, yeah, let's let's come back to that. All right, uh, let's uh, so that's the 11 portion of the interview. Um, interesting interesting stuff i am um, i'm sure there are some 11 people people watching that have played 11 um i don't know how long the free campaign is i think it is uh uh might be is it through is it the the, the month maybe uh i'm gonna check that I'll, real quick i'll i'll you know what i'll do it i'll, I'll commit this I'll, I'll I'll join. I want to see the number go up. Well, you have to understand this is a, you you are this is a difficult You're game committing to Committing to like a four hundred hour experience. The return <laughs> to Vanadeel campaign lasts mm. until May thirty first. Uh oh, but Rollo, it won't apply to you. 
That's, I mean, there's still a free trial. I'll just use that. Oh, there is a free trial. Yeah, because you need to have you ha need to have subscribed or have bought the game or and played at least once. You need to have had an active service account at least once to be able to play. Um, so there you go. Okay, um, that's that. Uh, let's. Uh, we ha only have one uh, mog mail that we'll read today, uh, and it's about. Uh, I think it's. Uh, I think it's just about the uh, the the episode number. So uh, let's uh, let's jump into that real quick. How would I read that? Senorable? Sen sen senorable. Uh, why would it be? Why would it be orable? Where are they? I don't know. I don't know if it's English or if it's uh, another language. Uh, I feel like you're putting in an L that's not there. What? Urable. Ur oh, I see. Yeah, ur sorry, I think I might have added an L. Urable. Urabe. Urabe. Yoruba. That's, that's why Yura I was Yurub questioning your pronunciation. Yoruba? Yoruba. Urabe. Okay. It Yurubame. reads like a Japanese name, Lakeo. Okay, well, then, sorry. Hi there, speakers. I just wanted to say congratulations on your 300th episode. I first found you through Remnants of a Realm and the Fall and Rise of Final Fantasy XIV. I later discovered your Men of My Level runs and podcasts on YouTube and found everyone to be hilarious, and it just made me love the game so much more. I feel like all of you are able to discuss serious issues in the game slash community, break down plot predictions and lore, plus make it an enjoyable time where I don't feel bored listening to your podcast. The versatility of the content you are willing to put out is a clear indicator of how much you care about providing something for everyone, and also branching out in new directions. Sorry for the long Long mog mail, but once again, thanks for doing what you do, speakers. Oh, Thank why you. can't everyone be mm -hmm. like that? Yeah. <laughs> what, what do you mean? <laughs> just a, We're just... glad you enjoy. Yes. We... Mm -hmm. uh, it makes us happy. Yeah, yeah. The versatility uh, isn't exclusively for you. It's also to keep us interested. If we talked about the same thing every week, we would get bored. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Glad you uh, love Men on My Level. I think, my favorite thing. I th oh, yeah. Men on My Level. <laughs> See, but this is the thing. Men on My Level is like i think a personal favorite but it's i think we all like minimum my level but it is definitely not uh very popular oh, no, no, <laughs> it is not something <laughs> we, it isn't really? yeah it's like I, well, it, doesn't, it's popular it doesn't with, do the numbers no yeah really it's popular crazy. in the speakers it's popular within the speakers community but people don't seek it out unfortunately i no. feel like i've heard people like on on sub on the subreddit even say like oh i really like their their Look, uh but am I, Look at the view counts. They're I, like bordering I, on like thousands. I don't think that would I pay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who's mentioned minimum eye level on the subreddit? I don't think I've ever I, seen yeah, that. Yeah, I've, I've, I've absolutely seen it. No, I don't. I don't okay. know. It, it, it's... I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think, I mean, I think it's it's the people that watch the show regularly enjoy Minimum Eye Level. But the thing with Minimum mm -hmm. Eye Level and kind of with a podcast, I guess, is that it's not, you need to kind of know we're, I think we're, I think the podcast is a bit of an acquired taste. <laughs> you need to be lured in here somehow. And then yeah, I have heard mm. a lot of people joined this podcast, sorry, joined, watched the, started watching the podcast when I did the, the, there's so many you can trace back to the waffle on the head stream that like, oh yeah, that was my podcast. That's when I decided to stay. 
Okay, I guess <laughs> if you can, if that's you know, okay, I guess that's the kind of people we keep. If you like people putting waffles on their head and slapping it, that's it. You're here. Welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, there's fallen rice and all that. Of course, that's a cl- the classic, you know, um, gateway um, video series. Um, okay. Um, oh yeah. Speaking of, should I say it? It's episode three hundred. Fallen Rise episode 11 for patrons at the end of May. And for the rest of you, it'll be Ugh. a couple of weeks into June. Ugh. So that's right. Um, okay, I don't have anything epic to like uh, tease it. I don't have a that teaser it. for it. That's I, it. <laughs> I will say about episode 11. Yeah. The title confuses me because yeah, I know. It, uses, it results in a word being repeated twice. Yes. Bef- uh, fall and Rise of Islands 14 before the fall. So uh, mm-hmm. there you go. Uh, all right. Uh, it makes it sound like a retrospective talking about 1.0 prior to its but, but lack 14, of success. But 14 players will know. And of course, it will be explained in the episode that that's the name of the, yeah. the patch that's covered. Mm. All right. Um, that's it. We'll uh, jump into the main story now. Uh, the big Yoshi P interview with Game oh. Informer. Um, Should have made him large on the little. Thumbnail. I wanted. I wanted to. For the audio listeners, this doesn't make any sense. But for in every every U, uh, Yoshi P interview slide, I have I've put I've had a picture of him drinking wine. And I thought, I'm just going to, like, put, like, a tower of wine bottles behind him. Like, just slightly faded out to go in with the theme there. And then you... You know, because it's a theme that I've heard running. Yeah, it's, it's tradition. That, yeah, that there's always wine in the picture. Um, but I didn't do it this time. Um, so anyways, this is from a Game Informer. It's a very nice... Uh, in- well, it's kind of like a, just an article or... A, what do we call this? It's... Um, an interview? Biographical. Biographical uh of yoshi p um so let's uh, let's jump into it uh, naoki yoshida is a man of many words ask him any question and he'll answer in great detail which is terrific because it because ha- he's had quite the career there's no denying that naoki yoshida is a massively popular and important figure to the final fantasy franchise when the series hit a low point yoshida helped turn its tide most notably helping transform final fantasy 14 after its disastrous launch into one of the most successful and revered uh, mmorpgs of this generation nearly a decade later he's still finding ways to keep fans engaged with the content and returning for top tier expansions like endwalker this consistency hasn't gone unnoticed just this year, 14 received awards from South by Southwest, DICE, the Game Awards, and Metacritic in big categories, such as Video Game of the Year, uh, South by Southwest, and Best uh, Role-Playing Game, DICE. Yoshida is also serving as producer on the upcoming Final Fantasy XVI, making him responsible for ushering in a new future for the franchise. Yoshida has rightfully earned his place on the pedestal, but he didn't get there by just being a smart and insightful developer. His genuine passion for games allowed him to look at things from the perspective of a fan, and it has made all the difference in his career. We discovered this firsthand in our in-depth interview where Yoshida reminisced about his path to video games and shared more about who he is beyond sorry, huh? Who he is beyond the zeitgeist. 
God, it's hard to like really comprehend how big Yoshi, Yoshi P is for like Final Fantasy, like just the the, the franchise right now. He is. I mean, he's, he's relatively new to it. Yeah. Well, he started off not having any knowledge about exactly. Final Fantasy at all. So it's really interesting that now he's like, he's in Games. charge of the future of the franchise, the yes. MM and both of the MMOs, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, what was he doing at Square Enix before he was moved on to 14? It was Dragon Quest, wasn't it? Oh. Was it Dragon Quest the I'm MMO? Sure, I'm, sure he, I'm sure this article will go I'm into sure, it. I'm sure we'll, we'll learn about it here. Um, yeah. Didn't he play like Diablo and stuff? Like he was a big Diablo. Oh, he, loves he loves Diablo. Diablo. Yeah, yeah, he loves yeah. Blizzard games. He yeah. still wants a Diablo or an Overwatch uh Oh, please, no. Yeah. <laughs> I love UCP, but I don't think we need that. <laughs> well, he's got Soken whispering in his ear for that as well, Rollo. Yeah. No, stop. <laughs> stop opening all the loot boxes, Soken. No! He's not opening them. Yeah. Uh, all no, right. he's not. He's got like a hundred and something locked away, Rollo, that he hasn't touched. That's right. God. That's right. Freak behavior. <laughs> okay, uh, carrying on here. Uh, finding games. Yoshida is a storyteller, instantly grabbing your attention and making you hang on until his very last word. It makes sense that that narrative and world building constantly come up when he refers to games. His love for story was fostered by his mother, who introduced him to mystery novels as a boy. See, for the love of mystery... Oh, that's a sidebar thing, okay. Yoshida thinks every game should deliver some element of surprise, which he admits probably ties into his love of the mystery genre. Ironically enough, Yoshida's first encounter with a video game was typical. When he was five years old, he discovered a Rally X arcade machine while he was on vacation with his family at a hot spring. The game had players race through multi-scrolling levels to collect flags. It was very standard, so... That was not surprising in any way, he admits. I was there, I was just there kind of playing around with the uh, levers. It wouldn't be until Yoshida was around seven years old that he really felt the magic of gaming, thanks to his neighbor, who Yoshida refers to as a rich brat kid. Yoshida went over to his neighbors one day and saw the NES hooked up to the TV with the original Mario Brothers illuminating the screen. Yoshida was surprised by his immediate emotional response. Just broke down. <laughs> it's like, oh, is that Mario oh. Brothers? Oh. Mario Jump! Uh, Woohoo! Here's his description of um, for the love of mystery novels. I'm intrigued by oh, this, yeah. to be honest. <clears throat> when he's not working on games, you can usually catch Naoki Yoshida reading. His favorite genre is when, mystery. When does he have time? <laughs> Thanks to his mother collecting various Western mystery novels while he was growing up. Yoshida loved reading them and says there are way too many to list as his favorites, but singles out a few standouts, such as Agatha Christie's, and then there were none, and oh, <laughs> classic. Uh, Tokyo Zodiac Murders. You don't like and then there were none? I don't like its original title. And then there well, were no one does. Oh. That's why they don't call it that anymore, Mayla. No. <laughs> why it scares me. Yeah. The Sherlock Holmes series is definitely something that was very inspiring, he says. I read through them when I was in elementary school, and it really got me intrigued in that genre. Yoshida also fondly speaks about the Kennel murder case, a complex locker room murder mystery written by S.S. Locked Van... Room. Sorry? Oh, Locked, Locked room. room, sorry. Locked Room murder mystery written by S.S. Van Dyne in 1933 that was adapted into a film the same year. 
He says the depictions in the text still stick with him. Sometimes it's just very sim a very simple singular line. The dead body of Brisbane was laying there. Van Dyne didn't give a lot of exposition, but he described it so well that it's burned into my memory. It was in elementary school when I read this, and it still left an impact on my mind. Oh, that nice. was that was my shocking entry into video games. So wait, is that going I'm, back to Mario? Oh, Brothers. sorry, that was the sidebar thing, was it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. So back to him breaking down in front of uh, Mario Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> that was my shocking entry into video games. He says. At that time, I thought television was only to watch something, a passive media, as we put it nowadays. The interactive element had such an impact on me. Yoshida says, even though Mario's mechanics were simple, stomping on Goombas and going through pipes, <laughs> he was stuck by the cooperative element and how that changes the experience, despite it having the same rules as single player. So when I got to play it for the first time, I already knew somewhere in my heart that I'm going to be a person who creates games one day, he says. But he took Yoshida time to warm up to RPGs. During his elementary and middle school days, he recalls playing a lot of action games and shooters, but his friends kept talking about Dragon Quest. Yoshida remembered feeling rather negative about the series. He hadn't played it, but based on what he heard, it didn't seem like his cup of tea. It's this game where the CPU generates numeric random occurrences like dice, and I didn't know what the appeal was, <laughs> he says. That all changed when his friend lent him a copy of the game, and he came to a realization. With these role-playing games, it's not about the skill of the player themselves, but I noticed that you have this character who gains experience, and there's a story behind it, and it was a very different experience. About a year later, the original Final Fantasy came out, and it changed everything for Yoshida. That's when I realized that this medium now tells a story in a very dramatic way, he says. It changed my perspective. I thought to myself, wow, I want to be able to deliver a story through this video game medium to share with people out there in the world. Yoshida always but he thought... has a history with Final Fantasy personally. Well, yeah, just not uh, yeah, business. Yeah, that's true. Yoshida always, always thought he'd made an action game, but his Final Fantasy experience made him change his vision for the future. His goal was now to make an RPG, and it was born from the desire to depict a story through this interactive platform. Well, now he's doing both. True, yeah. Yoshida was dead set on being a video game developer, but as he was graduating high school, he started to realize he hadn't done much to put him on that path. I never really studied any sort of programming or video game design at this point, he says. I just had this weird confidence in me, uh, thinking, oh, I'm going to be a game designer one day, and it was just all talk at the time. Yoshida then got more serious about pursuing programming and joined a game design school run by Hudson Soft, a video game publisher that had its heyday from the 1980s to 2002, creating series like Bomberman, Bonk, and Bonk. Star Soldier. This led to... This, under, this ignores the fact that they made the Mario Party games yeah. 1 through 7 as well. That's true. Yeah, but they made Bonk. They made Bonk. I know more about Mario Party than I know about Bonk. How dare you? Bonk was great. Uh, this led to a part-time job at the company, which allowed him to get uh, his fet his his feet wet, his not his fet, fet wheat. wheat. <laughs> he got fet wheat. His feet wet in development. At the same time, the strategy RPG uh, Tactics Ogre came out, oh. and, and it lit a greater fire in Yoshida to become a developer, giving him a new high bar to strive for. 
there's okay, can we skip uh, straight to that the sidebar so we don't get like lost again yeah is that what we're well where it's is yeah it's here okay neo kiyoshida lists the tactical role-playing game tactics ogre as one of his favorite titles calling it a great inspiration for him as a game developer. Yoshida points to the realistic storyline and how, up until that point, the RPG, uh, RPGs he played were usually about one hero or a small group coming to save the universe. He liked the more intimate approach. Tactics Ogre was a much more condensed sort of situation, Yoshida explains. You were fighting for this ideology, this country, and this history that you are shouldering as part of this battle. It felt so real, because whenever we look at the world, it's actually kind of narrow-minded, because typically, you're just looking at things that are immediately around you. Tactics Ogre had those very realistic boundaries of our universe. Then the people inside of it were just so well-developed, so intricately, in intricately created. Yoshida jokes that he was just this kid who thought he was going to be the next big thing in video games, but playing Tactics Ogre was a wake-up call. By looking at Tactics Ogre, it just shattered my confidence, he says. It was like, how could somebody make something so brilliant? And I have to compete against these people? I have to go beyond those people. But at the same time, it also drove me to think, oh, I would love to create games with people like that, so I need to get up to that level. I need to be able to c compete, and I need to go above and beyond. That was the goal I set for myself. Here we go. To get noticed, Yoshida upped his work ethic and changed his approach to game development. Games were no longer being made by just a few people. He was watching teams grow, with new roles opening due to new complexities in the hardware. Yoshida knew it wouldn't be enough to master one dis discipline. He needed to learn as much as possible about every aspect of game development. I wanted to get experience in anything and everything, he says. I would actively seek out tasks that people would not want to tackle themselves. Yoshida targeted problem projects, where he noticed they had multiple director changes or the script needed a complete overhaul and offered his services. The reason why I wanted to do that is with game development, you do need various specialists, but there's usually only one person that supervises it all as a director, he explains. And I wanted to get to that director position. So in order to do that, I wanted to gain the trust of all the people that are involved in the work. I wanted to get my foot in the door by having them open up to me and want to continue working with me, Yoshida said. Uh, after a year, opportunities started coming his way, and eventually he nabbed the role of story mode director on Bomberman 64, The Second Attack. Oh! Quite impressive, wow. though, to yeah. get a director <clears throat> role within a few years. Yeah. We're playing that game as a kid, too, and loving it. Mm. Mm-hmm. You hear a lot of people talk about it as an underrated game. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Yoshida's time at Hudson Soft also served as a great way to acquaint himself with PC gaming, where the company got uh, its start before shifting to console development. The team was so well-versed in developing for the PC platform, and we also had a good internet environment as well, Yoshida recalls. He fondly remembers using his high-performance work PC to sneak in some gaming when he could, saying the team worked really hard, but were also gamers at heart, so they played a lot of Diablo and Ultima Online. There you go. Um, this is where he became fascinated by online players. It also helped to have programmers around him to explain things. Yoshida remembers playing the first Diablo and realizing gamers were cheating the system by casting spells in safe zones. He wanted to know how players were outsmarting the system. And his colleagues were quick to explain how they had exploited the game. He credits this time as helping him learn the working of online games, which would prove invaluable for his future in the MMORPG space. 
and it was that lesson that taught him to make almost every arena in Final Fantasy XIV a circle or a square. Mm-hmm. All right. This is where his uh, life changes. A fateful meeting with Enix. Oh, I don't like it. He's, he's on the wrong side of history here. <laughs> Squaresoft were the good ones. Oh, true. That's true. Enix uh, were the evil ones. Okay, I don't think I don't think it was good and evil. I don't think they were evil. <laughs> no, but I like the Squaresoft games. Uh-huh. Well. They I'm, had all the good Final Fantasies. That's true. I mean, Squaresoft is Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is the Final Fantasy mm-hmm. company. After gaining his bearings at Hudson Soft, Yoshida moved to a smaller company called Rocket Studio. Here, he was offered the opportunity he was waiting for to make his own game. He would design the entire scenario, something he longed to do, for a PC RPG. Little did he know, it would also cause him to cross paths with his future employer and an important man in the industry, Yosuke Saito, best known as the producer of the Nier series. Yoshida met... Yeah. Yoshida met with a pre-merger Enix before its ties to Square to pitch his game idea. It got the green light. According to Yoshida, the RPG tapped into the multiplayer experience. It had a scenario that you're following, but it was it was going to be set up so that you wouldn't be able to see all of the different branches unless you teamed up with somebody else, he explains. So you would follow this one path, and then you'd have to team up with somebody else who had gone through a different history, or there was an item that you had to obtain in order to change your trajectory, but that item can only be obtained from somebody else. Huh. Okay. I love concept. these kinds of games. The yeah. game that I'm playing right now, 13 Central, is kind of like that. Mm. Um, Octopath is also kind of like that. Live Alive, I think that is what the game is called. Yeah. Which is, mm-hmm. which is a classic game that is being remade is kind of like that. Mm-hmm. In the middle of the title's development, Enix merged with Square, and things started to change quickly. There was a lot of transition, Yoshida says. Our project, which was, suppo- which was supposed to be on PC, was told to also be developed for PlayStation 2. Then things just got messy, and the title was put on indefinite Aww. hold. Aww. Not all was lost, though. Connections can be powerful, and Saito brought Yoshida into Square Enix as a full-time employee when he asked him to help with the Dragon Quest series in 2005. Yes, the juggernaut franchise Yoshida didn't initially gravitate toward as a kid ended up becoming a huge part of his career. Yoshida worked on arcade games for the franchise, but his main project was Dragon Quest X, the first MMORPG for the beloved property. Saito served as Dragon Quest X's producer and made Yoshida its chief planner. Saito saw Yoshida potential—sorry, Saito saw Yoshida's potential early on and still has much respect for how he approaches his work. I have always related to Yoshi P's I love games sentiment, and there are many things I respect him for, regardless of the senior-junior relationship, Saito says. There are many important aspects when developing a video game, but in the end, it all comes down to love. I think the best thing about him is that you can clearly see that he puts all his energy into a project with, with that love, both from the perspective of a developer and as a player. Yoshida's work on Dragon Quest X got him experience working on a top Square Enix property and an MMORPG. Looking back on his time leading up to Final Fantasy XIV A Realm Reborn, the game that would eventually put his name into the limelight, he laughs, saying it was a lot of, a lot of game development and playing a lot of online games, which doesn't seem to be too different from what it is now. And here is the story we, we are most familiar with, uh, his... Final Fantasy XIV. Um, when Final Fantasy XIV originally launched in 2010, 
it was met with intense criticism from fans and media, earning an abysmal 49 on Metacritic. That's yeah. quite high. Not mm. for a Final Fantasy no. lore game, <laughs> my love. But Tanicus 1.9. Yeah, Tanicus 1.0 got a 49 on Metacritic. Wow, Are you saying that's good? <laughs> no, I was saying it's higher than we expected it to be. Oh, yeah. I see. Okay, yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The MMORPG had issues in every direction, from server stability to a bad user interface to laughable bugs. Laughable bugs. When the laughable? Yeah, well, can you think of any examples of the laughable bugs? Um. Well, I can't think of it right now. There were there were so many. Like there were there were bugs relating to, especially to targeting, that were really annoying. Like. There were like a really, I remember there's a cool, well, kind of a cool mechanic on paper where, you know, the moles uh, in, you know, the ones with the horrible faces in yeah. 1.0, mm -hmm. they would have an attack where they dug underground and then they would move around. Um, ah. But if when sometimes when you try to target them, if they were planning to do that move, you couldn't target them. Uh, and so you would target yourself. And back then you could actually hit yourself. If I remember, so <laughs> you could actually damage yourself, um, which was, you know, not okay. intended to happen. Uh, when the, uh, when the, um, blah, 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 yes, when the brand was at its lowest and 14 looked unsalvageable, Yoshida was brought in to take the reins. To say Yoshida had a challenge ahead is an understatement, and his failure could have easily ended his career, but he approached it in the way he does everything, with hard work, brutal, honesty, uh, and undeniable style. Final Fantasy XIV was the birth of the Yoshi P moniker, a nod to his power as its producer and director. In, to his power! <laughs> in many ways, it turned the mostly unknown developer into a legend among fans. Yoshida didn't earn the fanfare just for his success, but for how he embraced player feedback and was transparently open, something Square Enix wasn't exactly known for at the time. The original still isn't really known for. No. Yeah. No, Which Square... they've been open about that NFT love. Well, Square Enix is... Uh, Square Enix itself, yeah, not very... But anything Yoshi P deals with, very open. Mm -hmm. But, yes. yeah, the, the rest of the company hasn't really followed suit. Um... The original Final Fantasy XIV and its failure had a big impact, Yoshida says. This is just my perspective, but I feel there was a separation between the people who make the games and the people who play the games. I feel like trying to rebuild XIV was a turning point where I did sense that the atmosphere shifted to focus on trying to regain fans' trust. Once yeah. Yoshida... Well, yeah. Uh, once Yoshida took over the project, he felt like he was able to put his own personal philosophies into effect. As a gamer himself, he disliked what he saw as a divide between developer and fans. Instead of working against each other, they should be working together. I tried to be as honest and as transparent as possible to the players so that we would gain a mutual understanding, he says. To achieve this, Yoshida release sorry, to achieve this, Yoshida releases Letter from the Producer Live broadcasts, where he candidly replies to fans and details the changes coming to the MMORPG. Yoshida says he considers the players his allies and always wants to know what they want. In return, he tries to be as honest as possible, explaining the reasoning behind why a request or feature is feasible or not. He credits his, this approach with helping the MMORPG build the tight-knit community it's known for. Yoshida-san is a very thoughtful person, says Final Fantasy XIV global community producer yeah. Toshio Moruchi, uh, who has, uh, that's Foxclon, who has worked alongside Yoshida for the past 12 years. 
He is a person who values the perspective of the players and the fans, and I really respect that he is clear and decisive about what may not work and takes the time to carefully explain why. With nearly a decade of running Final Fantasy for the Final Fantasy XIV ship and four expansions under his belt, Yoshida thinks the MMORPG still has plenty of places to explore, teasing the numerous possibilities. We know that we are in planet Etheris, and we've only really explored about a third of that, and then, of course, with a source's reflections, we've only visited the first out of the 13 different mirrored worlds. Even if we have time travel, we've never gone to the future yet. Who knows? This may have actually been a multiverse. Okay, calm down. Yeah, calm down, you should be. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. No, no. Uh, all right. Uh, that's the uh, that's the present, and now for the future. I'm not against going to the future at some some point, but mm-hmm. I don't think I need it soon. No, no. I don't know. It feels like it would get messy very quickly. <sighs> yes, I don't want. We could that. go there as like a ghost that can't interact with anything. Maybe mm. excluding like Graha and his place in the story. I think the timeline is pretty clean. So I, mm-hmm. I have faith that they would be able to make it work. Yeah, that's true. Let's see. Yeah. Uh, a lot. Okay, so now we're looking ahead. A lot has changed for Yoshida since he first landed at Square Enix, not just in terms of his success and the company itself, but also in the gaming industry as a whole. Technology continues to advance, and Yoshida notes how the higher processing power and performance levels have taken the medium to a new level. Yoshida points to the realism that video games can now achieve, saying players no longer have to fill in the gaps of their imaginations uh, when playing. It's also upped the expectations and pressure to get every cinematic shot just right. The costs and the resources required for producing a modern game have become a lot more expensive, and the technology that sits behind developing these games have come to the point of scholarly levels, Yoshida says. I'm working on Final Fantasy 16, and sometimes I look at what we're trying to do, and I do, and I think to myself, wouldn't this be quicker and cheaper if we just film real people? <laughs> yep. Great. Yeah, we've reached that. Well, that's the art form you've chosen, though. Yeah, that's true. Remember when that was just, you know, video like. Um, what were they called when oh, FMV games? FMV games. FMVs, yeah. yeah. Bring yeah, that oh, back. Oh, resurgences in them. <laughs> yeah, there has been a little, but it's more like niche esque now, and I think that's oh, where yeah, it should be. Very indie. I think that's where it should mm-hmm. be. <laughs> um, pretty impressive. I do though. like them. I do like them. The thing with oh, that's a more in depth discussion for another time, <laughs> but for obvious reasons. It, it limits, you know, uh-huh. your choices in the game. I think it's definitely something that they should explore further in adventure games. Oh, oh yeah, I mean, absolutely. Think about crazy games like, like in, what's it called? Phantasmagoria? Yeah, right. Phantasmagoria yeah. was good. <laughs> Classic, yeah. Uh, okay. Night Trap, that's good too. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was thinking about Night Trap mm-hmm. as well. Uh, okay, anyways, moving on. Uh, part of why Yoshida is so good at what he does is he's always paying attention and analyzing everything around him. He points to the internet as something that has continued to play a large role in how we experience games. The internet, in general, has become such a part of our lives that we don't really think about connecting to the internet. It's already our default, he says. A lot of the things that we utilize in our daily lives are just already working under the assumption that we are connected online somehow. And it sort of blurred the line between a physical place in a physical time and made everything more available outside of what we would normally be used to. That's also made an impact on how we look at games as well. 
Do you ever think about how we're like the last generation that experienced what it was like to not be always online? Mm. Yeah, I'm just, we're the the last ones. That's it. Um, yeah. it was it was it was good. Back I mean, in my day, you got to go to the library. Yeah, it's like he said. Like, I still I'm such a boomer that I kind of remember when going on the internet was like a thing you did. But now oh, it was an event because you had to ask permission. Yeah, we're going to use the phone because the phone's going to so get. No. <laughs> that, you know, but now it's like but everything's what would you online. Do? Like you had to have a reason yeah. for it. Like, what am I going to look up? What am I going to do? Like, yeah. Oh no, I I always I was very clear. I'm going to go to the cartoonnetwork.com website <laughs> and I'm going to play some mini games. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, and you had like all the the toolbars. That you're oh, yeah. for all oh the things. My God. Oh goodness! I got sad when they first went away. I was like, <laughs> where's all the information? Yeah, my funny toolbars. No, yeah. where's my MSN search bar so I can search? Exactly. I, was... I always hated the MSN search bar. I didn't like that. Sold itself. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta uh, get to ask Jeeves. Yeah. Uh, ask oh, Jeeves. That eventually, that's just ask.com. It is. But where's oh, Jeeves? Jeeves is gone. Bring Jeeves back. That's one of the first questions that comes up if you say, if you ask a lot of questions on oh, Ask, it will oh, yeah. fill that in. I see. I see. Oh. Uh, anyways, uh, Yoshida's role has also expanded. He's still leading Final Fantasy XIV, but also serving as producer on Final Fantasy XVI, an important next entry in a series just beginning to regain its limelight after a difficult patch. Yoshida doesn't mince words about the challenge of having two big titles on his plate. It's just so many things that I have to juggle, and I'm trying to not drop the ball. So when asked if it's smooth sailing, I would assure you, it's not smooth at all. Uh. However, Yoshida hasn't shifted his strategy from years ago when he worked at Hudson Soft, saying it all comes down to mutual trust between him and his team. He says part of his job is to challenge, the, challenge them to be confident in their decisions, saying success comes down to hard work and partly luck. He urges his team to have solid reasoning behind every choice they make. I want them to have some kind of belief behind what they're trying to pitch, he explains. If they have a risk assessment that they've done and they have evidence that proves to them that they feel comfortable in moving forward in a certain direction, I want to know that. I want them to be comfortable with what decision they've come down to and be able to back that up. I Yoshi mean, consider how Yoshi P interacts with people that were on the original 14 in on 1.0, like Koji Fox and Soken. Yeah. And then you see fucking pictures or like videos of them, in those two interacting with Tanaka. It's like night and day. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, that's like the scariest. It's like, I hate that. I hate seeing like old 1.0, like dev footage of like, <laughs> with like, yeah, Soken and Tanaka. Well, there's specifically that clip. Oh, cursed. There's like, I think there's a clip of like all of like a Koji Fox and T Soken and Tanaka in the same room. Is that what you were? Mm. Th That's the one I'm specifically They look like strangers. Of. Like they're, they're, they're terrified of this person that's standing, like the scary man that's in the room. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I it's can weird. understand why Soken was so like gung-ho when he when Yoshi P first came onto the team. I was like, yeah, we yeah. can do this. Yeah. <laughs> you probably could sense that like, yeah, okay, you seem like a, a, a nice person. <laughs> yeah, because doesn't... I think Tanaka is even wearing like a suit or like at least a shirt. Yeah, he, he looks he very corporate. Yeah, he's very corporate yeah. looking. 
Um, okay. Uh, Yoshida plans to tackle the future with the same fearlessness he's always had in his career. When asked about Final Fantasy XVI, his answer echoes the spirit and uh, his desire for all games to have the element of surprise like in the mystery novels he loves to read. This applies to both fourteen and sixteen. but I want us to continue to push ourselves and take on new challenges with our approach, he says. We want to bring a varied sense of fun and good gameplay as well as elements of surprise that would make the challenge we take worthwhile. At the same time, taking on a challenge is accompanied by risk. We may stumble, but I think being afraid of these kinds of risks and not taking the challenge is going to be disadvantageous to the players in the end. Not taking a risk means you see a game that has already been done before. And of course, before we close out the interview, Yoshida continues his philosophy of involving the fans in the game development process, stating, We would love for people to join us in this endeavor. We'll cry and laugh together through this adventure. And hopefully, it'll be a worthwhile adventure in the end. There we go. The man, the myth, the legend. Such, I have such high hopes for 16. I just want some oh, information, yeah. please. Yes. It's, yeah, a little uh, bit more. A lot of writing on 16, too. <laughs> yeah. In a way, like, he's building... It's. I mean, damned if you do, damned if you don't. I feel like with him, like with this game, like if you if you tease too much, we will complain that there's too much hype. And if you do what he's doing now, too much hype. Because now I feel like the hype mm-hmm. is just not knowing anything, and we're like just conjuring up all these like crazy <laughs> things because it's Yoshi yeah. P. Um, but yeah, um, hey, some information. We should would get be nice. information before the end of spring. And also, oh, yeah. there was recent and it recent announcement that. The seven remake will also be getting news soon, so mm. maybe there'll be, maybe there'll be some sort of Square Enix press conference around the time that E three was supposed to have happened. Yeah, maybe we can hope. Um, <laughs> looking forward to anything from sixteen uh, this year. Um, okay, well that's um, that's episode three hundred in the bag. Um, Wow. Yeah. Weird. We uh, did it. We did it. Uh, here's mm-hmm. to another 300. Oh my god. Oh my god. I don't know what year that would be, but that's a long <laughs> time from now. Are we the I mean, what's are we the longest running 14 podcast yet? Not yet. We No, not yet. Um Well, I don't know. I to be honest, up there. I don't I kind of stopped watching other 14 podcasts when I started yeah, this. But- yeah, because you don't want to take other people's opinions. <laughs> right, right. I don't. I want. I want to be fresh, so I can't like go mm-hmm. in anywhere. But um... by the way, episode six hundred should be in around twenty twenty six. Oh, so that's not too okay, far. Okay, not do that. too far in the future, but still, mm. <laughs> we'll go great we'll first see. on this podcast. <laughs> I hope it's out. me. I fuck. I hope it's me. I want to be uh, silver uh, fox. Um, all right, know. it's probably going to be me, but you'll never know. Oh, that's true. Oh, uh, yeah, because Georgi will never... At least admit never, it to us. You have to, won't judge you. But you don't have to say it on stream, but you have to tell us when it happens, because yeah. I need to know if I've been beat. I already get, like, a white hair every now and then, and Just I begun. remove them. Just because... <laughs> oh, no. Oh, but, like, yeah. Yeah. All yeah, right. but I don't have any right now. At okay. least I don't think so. Damn. Damn. Uh, okay, well, um, that's it for us today. Thank you for uh, watching this, I almost said 100th, but 300th episode of Speakers of Fidelin. Uh, we'll be back next week, same time, same place. Remember to follow on Twitter at SpeakersXV, twitch.tv slash SpeakersOfIdlin, youtube.com slash SpeakersXV, exclamation Discord in chat if you want to join our Discord server. If you're watching on a man, links in the description. Remember to send us mugmail, speakersXV.com slash mugmail. Um... 
if you're watching live, post show is coming up. We'll see you there. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. You've just listened to an episode of Speakers of Eidolon, produced by Speakers Network. Producer for this episode was Lukeel Bravestone. Final Fantasy and Final Fantasy XIV is a registered trademark of Square Enix Holding Company Limited. If you would like to support the show, consider pledging to our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash speakersxiv, or buy some merch at teespring.com slash stores slash speakersxiv. Link to both of these sites, as well as our Discord server, is provided in the episode description. Thank you for listening to this Speakers Network production.